Good morning, church. My name is Jimmy. This is my wife, Yvonne. We'll be in Judges 3, starting in verse 7 through 31. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites, and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, Now Eglon was a very fat man, and when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded, Silence. And all his attendants went out from his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat. And Ehud reached with with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the dung came out. Then Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came. And when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, Surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them. And, they, and there lay their lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they delayed. And he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Syrah. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader. And he said to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites, and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, 
all strong, able-bodied men, not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Bless our church family in India. We pray for their safety to be in your hand, that they may be instruments to carry out your will with love. And for us, as we prepare to hear today's message, please help us to see the truth and light in every part of your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for that beautiful reading. I've been paying attention to the sermon series, listening online the first time, and if Heather is here, you had a great long list of names, and wow, how beautifully you read them. And last week, I was actually present, and again, the readers did so well, and today, likewise. I was just going to nickname all of those people. Like this Kush or Ramoth, everybody called him Kush. Uh, they weren't going to say that all those times, and so what a beautiful reading. It's, it's wonderful to be in the fellowship with you as fellow Christians. Uh, I've been able to be here several times over the years uh, since I retired because Lance, is, uh, he said we are friends, and I've enjoyed being uh, with him personally and with him in worship. I'm so grateful that you as a church take worship so seriously and you do important things in worship, such as recognizing confession of sin and recognizing we have a Savior and so intentionally choosing music that helps our heart express what is really and truly beyond words. So thank you for being a Christian fellowship. The terms of brother and sister become very real to us in such a way and it's wonderful that the community is able to know that about you all. It's not just in this room, but I'm aware that through the week you are expressing uh, your witness in various ways. And as has already been mentioned and celebrated, even being in India, uh, even now. I, I have enjoyed Lance. I remember the first time I met, met him at a meeting and the way he spoke of the ministry here and the desire to start this church was a beautiful thing to hear of his commitments and I found him over those years to be a faithful servant that's not always the case um, I've been grateful for Lance as a friend I could sum up uh, what I appreciate about him he loves the right things in the right way. He loves his heavenly father. He loves his savior. He loves the presence of the spirit in a big room or sitting at lunch with just one person. He loves the church and God's idea of what the church can be. And you're very fortunate to have a pastor who loves God's people 
I was able to meet his mama this morning, and I said, you did a good job. And she said, don't blame me. But, so there must be a side to Lance that I don't really know yet. And, uh, uh, and I can tell that you've met that side of him. And, uh, but I am very grateful for that friendship. Often when we're invited to preach as a guest, we're not assigned a topic, but Lance did assign the scripture to me. Uh, it's a shame that I thought you said Joshua uh, 3. It's a very strange passage to come in, but I knew it started with a J, and so I've been adjusting my notes and thoughts. I remember the first time I read the book of Judges seriously. You have a guide. Uh, I saw it back on the back. It gives you a guide through the next several weeks of these sermons. Oh, I... I ask, give a nickname to those guys. Don't get discouraged about the names that you can't pronounce. But follow what the people do, like us, and follow what God does that's not like us. And when it hit me how God reacts to people like us, this book became one of the most beautiful books of grace and hope that I find in the scripture. I have a reading plan that I follow year by year and I love it when Judges comes up. And I can read about people like us, like me. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And I read a God that's prone to grace over and over again. I love the book of Judges. So what a hope. It's graphic. Oh, my goodness. In last week's sermon, Lance warned us about some of the graphicness in here, and we've just read a story about, well, I guess it's left-handed. And, and I would have done what that guy did if someone put a cubic inch, 18 inches of blade into me. I would... Uh, you would find out what's inside of me also. <laughs> so you're in for a story that's graphic about our sin. But you're in for a story that's absolutely unmarveled about God's grace other than the cross itself. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalm 95 and it's a combination of being called to worship and also God speaking. And there's a little time when you're not exactly sure when God begins to speak. But right at the end of verse 7, it says, Today if you hear his voice, and then it appears that it becomes God's voice. Do not harden your hearts. So I ask you today... A day that God is making, I ask you today, a day that God has, has you here, I ask you today to not harden your hearts. Chapter 3 begins in Judges, and it says at the very beginning now, there are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. Wow, you, you, would, you would think you got rid of tests when you finished school. But God is interested in 
who you are on the inside and what you are really about and what you will trust. And so God left nations in the promised land and it was the test. And here it says you have to become an army. There's going to be a problem with the enemy and you have to become an army and you've not been an army. And so there were a testing. And I know the need of that. In the scripture reading that I follow, I read just this morning where Abraham was tested by God. The father of our faith experienced a test. Don't, don't think you get out just with all the ease, but we're tested. I'm glad we are. I, I'm, I'm glad we do testing. I'm glad we can get things. I, I bought something just the other day, and I was glad I, I cut this off of the box that it came in. It tells me that the United Kingdom and Canada and France that's what that C-E is. It's, a, it's in French. That It's been tested in France. The UK has looked at it, and the electronics are okay. I can plug it in. Canada has tested it. I also, just you probably are familiar, I pulled out a little plug-in with, with adapter, and ah, UL is written on it. The underwriter's lab has tested this thing, and I can plug it into my house, and when I leave, I don't have to go unplug it. It's been tested. One time I bought some things at a reputable hardware store. I needed to drop a light out of a canister light in the ceiling, and I just bought two or three little adapters and screwed them together and screwed them in and put the light and had it going. And I told the man that is a professional in this area, I noticed a little smoke coming out of that. <laughs> and he said, have you checked them and seen where they were made? And I said, no, I bought them at the hardware store, told him where. I assumed they were good. And we unscrewed them and no UL anywhere on those sockets. He said, this is just cheap stuff. Don't use them. We'll burn the church down again. <laughs> we had several fires while I was there. <laughs> God does not give us a perfect world. Don't you wish he did? Don't you wish that once you said, yes, God, that you would never have to worry about all those people that occupy the land? We never have perfect circumstances, ever, ever. We dream of them. We hear political promises of them. But we never have perfect circumstances. I can promise you, Mayor Whitmire is not going to fix every pothole. He said he was. He's not. It will never be perfect. The streets of Houston... The streets where we live, the neighbors we live around, it's never perfect. So what are we going to do? Well, God is going to test us. God is going to see will we respond differently to the imperfections there are in the world. And then this is where I fall in love with judges. The passage assigned for today, beginning at verse 7, and the people of Israel did not 
do what was right. They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And you think, oh, it's over now. I've done wrong. I know I have some experience about that. Miss Pittman in the seventh grade, math teacher. I think I know why she was Miss Pittman, not, <laughs> not Mrs. <laughs> she had to leave class one day and she told us, don't talk to anybody. Now, classrooms were fixed very similar to classrooms like today. There's not much difference. Some computers now when we didn't have them then. And one other piece of apparatus was in a lot of the classrooms back when I was in school, and that was a paddle. Garland Lyle, I'll never forget him. I remember the story and think about it fairly often, was sitting behind me, Lockhart, Lyle, we had several classes together, so we sat close. Garland was talking to me. It was against the rules. I was not talking back to Garland. I was a good boy. But for one moment, I turned my body to tell Garland, shut up. And as soon as I turned my body Miss Pittman came in and walked straight to her desk, picked up that piece of apparatus called a paddle, walked back, grabbed Garland by his shirt, pulled him out of the desk, kabam! She was good at this. <laughs> I'm innocent. I have not sinned against her rule other than to try to tell Garland to be quiet. She pulls me out of the desk by my shirt, takes her swing, and comes right on to wallop me. I was so glad that desk had a steel frame. And she hit that frame and broke her paddle. <laughs> I was innocent. I should not have been hit. But in her mind, I had done evil in her sight. I had turned to talk to Garland, even though he had been saying lots of things. I had said nothing. I was innocent one of the few times in my school career. The other paddlings I deserved, and no paddle was broken, though I thought they may have on me. But these people are guilty. They did not pass the test. You know what that's like, don't you? We don't have to have a prayer of confession for us to know we're guilty. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we've left undone those things we should have done. That's the way the Book of Common Prayer puts it. Aren't we guilty? Don't we fit right in with verse 7, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Not often are we innocent and do not deserve to be walloped. We fail the test. But then this is just one of the verses where I began to love the book of Judges. It begins to diagnose what has happened. It says they forgot the Lord their God and they served the Baals and the Asheroths. 
They forgot. Now I want to ask you, what are you doing consciously to remember? What's in your day, in your every day? What's in your every day that helps you remember and not fall into this diagnosis? They forgot the Lord. Forgetting is a difficult thing. You know, when you begin to forget some things, especially when you're my age, people suggest you go to a doctor. And you forget a few more things and people suggest you don't drive anymore. You forget a few more things and they suggest you live where you can't have an oven. You forget a few more things and your room becomes smaller and smaller. If you forget, you lose your life. You lose your freedoms. And these people forgot. That's not even in the Ten Commandments, is it? Us is in number one. I am the Lord your God. And they forgot. What do you have in your home that helps you remember? What, what do you have in your heart? I have put and treasured in my heart your word, O oh Lord, that I would not sin against you. What are you doing so that when we fail, it will be another reason other than I forgot the Lord and I remembered the others. Now let me give you another warning about this. Many of us would say God is first in my life. What would you think? Would you want me to finish my sermon if I said, I'm so glad to have my first wife here, Sharon. I've been married to her for 50 years. Now, Susie Q back there, she was my second wife. We've only been married 35 years. And Joan over here is my third wife. We've been married 15 years. And just this weekend, uh, I met another one. And would you want to hear the rest of my sermon? Lance, would you step up and say it's over? Even though this clock says we could go a few more minutes. When you put God first in your life, you better make sure what how else follows. I can give God 49%, but the others could vote and 51% wins. God's not interested in being first in the list. They forgot that the Lord was the God, and they went to some other gods. Lance described them last week and what they had hopes of all of their fertility doing and what would, how we would benefit from that. Go back and listen to that. They, they thought some other gods could be some insurance for them. No, not in God's way of doing work. You are to follow him and him only. She is to be my only wife. One God, 100%, no other votes count. 
But so many times we get the conglomeration of things going in our mind and heart and soul and we forget that He is the Lord. And they serve the Baals. Therefore, aren't you grateful? Therefore, the anger of the Lord. Aren't you glad that God has emotion? Aren't you glad that God could say, no, I want you. You have forgotten me, but I want you. And the anger of God begins to burn. And he begins to test us even more thoroughly. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the land of this king, into Mesopotamia. And they served him eight years, and it was difficult. Now that's where some of us may be today. We may be in the difficult days. We have forgotten. We've been sold. The other, the others are influencing us. And then this beautiful thing begins to happen. After the years, when the people of God cried out to the Lord, the Lord heard. And the Lord raised a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them. Oh, how beautiful that we, when we're guilty, oh, when the difficulties of our guilt have compounded and all we have to do is to cry that God actually hears our cry. God wants to come and step in and relieve us. And he does so. My granddad was a preacher. I, I never heard him preach. He had had a stroke by the time that I was just a kid. And we were just always told to be quiet around granddad because noise and all like that seemed to bother him. But one time I was given a, a, a box of notes from him and I scanned them. Most of them were not very intelligible to turn into a sermon, but one was beautiful. He was quoting from Micah, and Micah said, My God will hear me. And Granddad typed out on his little typewriter, Anyone who can say that, My God will hear me, can say more than Demosthenes, the great orator, could ever say. Well, today we have this opportunity. Today, if we do not harden our heart. Today, if we're year eight of the difficulties of our sin. Today, if the anger of God has worked so that we would be better and find our attention drawn back to him. Today, we can cry and he, my God, will hear our voice. And deliverance will begin. Othniel came and he led the people and he led them well. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel. He guided them. He reminded them of the law. He went out to war and the Lord gave him the victory over the captive and the, his hand prevailed over the enemies and Israel had rest for 40 years. Ah. And then there's verse 13, verse 12. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And then you would think, <laughs> I gave you one chance. He'll get them this time. And the Lord strengthened an enemy because they had done what was evil. And that enemy gathered the Amorites and the Malachites and they defeated Israel and took, them, took possession of some of their cities and the people served that king for 18 years. And then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer. And you're going to find this happening over and over again. Some of you may be tempted not to cry out to God and you would think, you wouldn't give me another chance. <laughs> yes, he will. Some of you would say, I am guilty and I deserve for Miss Pittman to get all over me. But she's long gone. Miss Pittman isn't here today, but God is. And if you do not harden your heart, God will hear your cry. What a beautiful truth we have in the book of Judges that when the judgment comes, we flunk. But God does not change his very nature. We can forget, we can do evil, we receive the warnings. But when we forget, God does not forget how he has promised. God begins to step in and God begins to deliver and God begins to do his work. Oh, the power of today. A day when we can cry and the day when God and all of what the circumstances are that are so difficult for us. It's not a perfect world, remember? You were not given perfection when you came to this earth. But you're given a perfect God who's going to hear your cry. He's going to have mercy and grace who's bigger than the circumstances who calls you to obedience and your choice is to obey or not. We, of course, are not very far from Moses. Moses was called in Exodus 3. Moses led, then Joshua led, and then the judges began. Moses was called early in Exodus and one of the Bibles translates it when God is talking and Moses has some hesitancy. They translate that beautiful name, I am, to be, I am the one who always is. Always. This very moment. If you thought you need to go somewhere special to find God, maybe on the men's retreat. Not today. God always is right this moment. And as Moses is leaving, he encourages the people with words from God where God says, I'm setting before you two paths. You get to choose. 
One path leads to life. One path leads to destruction. He's watching, he's listening, and God pleads to the people. Please choose life. And that's where we are now. God before us, our sin, we have done evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord does not like that. The Lord is emotionally engaged with us and doesn't like it when we sin. But it, his anger does not stop his love. And at this very moment, he loves us. This very moment. We're going to sing a song. One of my favorite songs they were practicing when I came in. We get to declare something very, very true with this wonderful hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. What a beautiful truth for us to celebrate. That though in the midst of our sin and imperfection and failures, disobedience, we can cry and God is faithful with his grace this morning. What a beautiful chance we have. Let, let's declare that God has been tested. We could put various stamps on him of you have proven yourself to be trustworthy. You have proven yourself to be good. You get the chance over the next weeks to see it over and over again in this chapter, in this book. And God will be good. Great is his faithfulness. I want to pray and the worship team will come and will lead us as we declare that great truth. Thank you, God. We have done it again. We could add another chapter to this book. We have done evil in the sight of the Lord. We have forgotten. We've disobeyed. We, we could go on with a long list. We deserve you to come in and paddle. But dear God, you have come to hear our cry. You have desired to give us life. Today is a day when you want to offer to us a new beginning in your grace. And may we not harden our heart, but today receive you into our soft heart to be yours. Our prayers in our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, beyond the politics of that day or this day, a Savior into our very heart. And in his name we do pray. Amen.